Hello, and welcome into the Barely Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Bryant the Boom Corrigan, joined as always by Andrew the Diabetic Dynamo. Hello. And Brendan the Producer Pika. Hey, yo. That is a lot of peas to start out the podcast. Uh, guys, it is a beautiful summer day in the Midwest. We are here yes. to talk about must draft and must avoid players in 2021, a topic near and dear to our heart. Mm-hmm. And really, this is the easiest way to win and lose fantasy football. If you can have a, a mulligan and change who you drafted, <laughs> who you shouldn't have drafted, yeah. you know, that's how you that's how you make it or break it. Those people that you have a little inclination on that are better than what you draft them as. And on the flip side, the people you're excited about that poop their pants and ruin your season. Mm-hmm. So this is mm-hmm. this Been is there. a uh, an important one. And we're very far into the off season, so you know there's still plenty of time for things to change. But I feel like we have a pretty good grasp on players that tickle us the right way and tickle us the wrong way. Yeah. Here, here's the thing: Are we far into the off season or are we early into the preseason? Oh, you know Ooh, what? That's... I think. I think we're right in the middle there. It's a glass half full, half <laughs> empty thing because I'm I'm looking forward to the to the season ahead. Here's a question for you, Bill. Oh, let's hear. Just it. putting you on the spot. Okay. You talked about players that just ruined your entire season. What player has there been a player in in recent years where you drafted and you've regretted it looking back at the season? Like, what is the? because oh, because I know there's always a few. Yeah, like, I mean, can you think fantasy, of a great example? Yeah, every fantasy player has those people. Um, yeah. You know, the one that hurt me the most recently was Christian McCaffrey last year. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge fan of auction leagues, and I changed my strategy up, so I got Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara, and That's that nasty. was, I mean, that was pretty much my entire budget. But when those two were both there last season, it was awesome. <laughs> but uh, having McCaffrey get hurt. I don't blame him. You know, that's not something I'm holding yeah. against him. But yeah, that that was rough. You know, he's the person that so uh, should have avoided. But, you know, mm. as far as like just players coming up short, you know, I'm going to go Evan Ingram. He yeah. just that's ah, just vexes me, man. He just mm-hmm. he has it all and it should all come together. He just never does. It's just it's like the roughest thing on paper. He should be great. And I like to do things by paper. <laughs> yep. I just can't get there. What about you? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, last year in our dynasty league that we have together, I decided to to try to look for value in quarterbacks. Oh. And uh, <laughs> I went with the tandem of Philip Rivers and Drew Locke. <laughs> and <laughs> looking back, that was old and the youth. worst decision old. that I could Bad have ever both made. Sides. That was the worst. I should have spent a little more uh, just to get just to get a good quarterback. Oh gosh, that that's hurt. hilarious. Uh, but I would say last year uh, as well, Cortland Sutton was a big one. Um, just because I, you know, very excited about him. And then he, yeah, he got injured, unfortunately. But yeah. Yeah. Quarterback that's, was was a big issue for me. That's a valid one, man. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd say another one. Odo Beckham Jr. <laughs> He's somebody I, that, that. That's why I don't draft him. Oof, I don't man, him. that sucker's a yo-yo. Never. Uh, you know, I think that ties in pretty nicely with our must draft and must avoid players. 
I think we can mm-hmm. jump right into it here unless you have anything else to add. No, let's do it. Let's start with some positivity, some glass half full type of thinking. So what, how we how we're going to do this is we each picked three players, someone from the early rounds, mid rounds and late rounds. Uh, so we're going to do two parts. People are going to draft and people we are avoiding. I'll go first. You know, somebody I'm, I'm drafting Get early. It. It's Joe Mixon. You know, I, I'm a huge mm. fan of Joe Mixon, and he's really been a great running back really ever since coming out of college. He really lays down really good tape. He's a really good, strong runner, great hands, and he's been a really strong running back with a really crappy team. You know, the knocks against him is he's never finished very high, whether it's due to injury, sharing the role with Giovanni Bernard, uh, or just, you know, crappy team. Unfortunately, that that is a huge part of it is mm-hmm. he's never really been on a good team. I think that all changes this year with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. You know, this team is finally finding an offensive foothold. We, we've seen we've seen him with Andy Dalton before, but it was never quite the same type of offensive threat that there is now. So I really feel, you know, I'm targeting Mixon because one, he's a great runner, but this offense is retooled and with an actual quarterback in deep threat that should open things up for Mixon. I think he's at a I think he's at a pretty strong discount right now. His ADP is this eighth pick of the second round. You know, I, I really feel at that point you could potentially have, you know, a top five, top six running back. You know, like we said, he has all the pieces that we were wanting. You know, Giovanni Bernard left town. So that does open up, you know, those catches. You know, Bernard was leeching a ton of touches in this offense. I'm not gonna say they're all be mixing but he'll get more work on third downs. Uh, I just think this is a a perfect concoction, this Bengals offense in 2021. If Joe Burrow can build on what he did last season, I think it'll start out a little slow just because he does need to find his his foothold uh, coming back Mm -hmm. from that really gnarly lower body injury. But once he does get that confidence back, I think this offense is going to be dangerous, scary, and this is the best cast Mixon has ever had. So assuming health, Assuming a terrible defense, his offense should be all systems go. I think he's a discount, and I think he could be the steal of draft. I love that. I love that pick. A lot of hype around Mixon, but his ADP isn't too outrageous. Uh, it looks like his, so obviously he got injured, like you said, um, last season. He only played six games, but with that six-game pace, he actually would have put up around Aaron Jones numbers, which is like top five. I mean, he's like, pretty good. that's really good. Yeah. So I, I could see us putting him in our, our consensus top 10 list later on in the season. He's going to, he's going to squeak in there. So I really like that. Uh, he's growing up. Kool-Aid. You're drinking the Kool-Aid. Yep. I'm looking at the Kool-Aid and then I'm getting a little thirsty. Well, you're so. diabetic. So I'm diabetic. <laughs> I would prefer a sugar free or something like that, but you know, <laughs> that's fine. If the flavor's good, I, you know, it's worth the risk. Uh, all right. You want me to, <laughs> want me to hop into my early round? Let's hear it. My early round pick. I early rounds. I love to go running backs, right? I I like to usually the first three. My draft strategy is usually running back, running back, running back. However, if this player falls to me at three ten, I'm going to pick him because he should be a second round pick, and that is Mike Evans, wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm. There has 
you're you're hesitant on that. I am. I'm a sell. Mike Evans has not had a season with under a thousand receiving yards. He also is borderline. He he scores borderline double digit touchdowns every single season when he's healthy. 12, 12, 8, 8, 13. So he's averaging around the the 10 touchdown mark per season. He is a very, very safe option who is guaranteed a lot of targets, even with a lot of competition on that team, because he does face competition because, I mean, you know, it's it's the Bucks offense. There's Godwin, there's Antonio Brown, there's Gronk. But Mike Evans still gets it done. He got it done last year. He's going to do it again this year. I don't see this Buccaneers offense taking a step back at all, right? It's not like they're going to run the ball more. Who are they going to hand the ball off to? Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, that's fine. But it's a it's a pass-heavy offense, and it's going to go to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And I think there's enough targets there for Mike Evans to perform better than a third-round player. I think Mike Evans... At, I would put Mike Evans as a top 10 wide receiver right now, just because of the guarantee of yards and the guarantee of targets. Top 10. I, he, I mean, he's, I'm not, he's like, he's not top five, but he's like around the, the nine, 10 mark is where I would put Mike Evans right now. I think he's very underrated. And at the three ten position in the draft, I'm taking him every time because that is an amazing value for Mike Evans. I would be less inclined to put him on this list if he was, if his ADP was, you know, let's say like the 205, because then I think that's a, a, where he should be valued. But the fact that Mike Evans is at the 310 position, I'm taking him every single round or every single draft in the third round, because I, I don't see him getting less than a thousand receiving yards. And that is amazing for one of your top wide receivers. Here's a question for you, Andrew. So these yes. two players, Mike Evans, like you said, is a 310. This player yep. is at the 312, and it's Julio Jones. Yeah. Would you rather have Mike Evans or Julio Jones? I'd rather have Evans. I feel Funny, like he's I would rather go option. Julio. I feel like he's a safer option. I think Tennessee runs the ball a lot more. Actually, I don't think. I know Tennessee runs the ball a lot more. And there's A.J. Brown to compete with. You can make that counterargument for Godwin, but I think Mike Evans is the wide receiver one on this team. And Julio Jones is the wide receiver, too, for Tennessee. Well, Andrew, I respect the stones on you, my man. Thank Um, you. Yeah, that's. Those are some cojones Uh, that'll actually tie into one of my picks later. Uh, Cojones do. Yeah. No, interesting. Interesting. And when we say draft, these are players that we keep getting on our teams when we're mock drafting. These are players that we think will finish ahead of their ADP. 12 man league. 12 man league. Specify that. Yep. Next, we're going to choose a mid-round pick, uh, and I'll go first. I'm going to go Debo Samuel. He's being taken as the 12th pick of the seventh round, so a little later, but uh, I, like I think he is Still mid. just the definition of a high-risk, high-reward player. Uh, this is a guy who's been injured routinely since college. We don't necessarily believe in injury-prone, uh, but I do also believe in... <laughs> <laughs> you can't quantify it but you know you mm-hmm. just you see it um you know he's one of those players in the shanahan offense once again shanahan's a genius drink um 
but he really he schemes so well. And with Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, what makes them so unique is they're so good not only catching the ball, but they're so good at you know running the ball as well. You know, using them creatively in space, a la Tyreek Hill. You know, get the ball in their hands. They are explosive playmakers. Debo Samuel, when he plays, when he's actually playing football, you know, he's a top 20 wide receiver, according to, you know, his performances. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's silly, but Mm -hmm. he gets it done. So in this at the end of the seventh round, if he can get a playmaker like that, if he misses, if he's hurt, if it's another lost season, you didn't sink all that much into him. But if he's healthy, I mean, he's arguable. He's arguably a wide receiver, too. You know, we've seen him have those kinds of performances where, you know, he is a game maker. He's a game changer. You know, he's that electric type player that, you know, given him space, he can make some magic happen. So I think he still has a chance in his offense. I know Ayuk is there, uh, you know, and Trey Lance might switch it up even more. This is a fantasy gold mine. Unfortunately, you never know where the gold's going to be. But I think Debo Samuel will be a player that will get enough work. I do think he plays second fiddle to Brandon Ayuk, and rightfully so. But if Samuel's healthy, I really think the sky's the limit. And a 12th pick of the seventh round would be a ridiculous ADP if he stays healthy. I like that. Did you use the gold mine as a pun? Because it's the 49ers? Inadvertently, but I will happily take that. Okay. Because I was going to call you out on that. It was good. It was clever. I just, it didn't sound like you did it on purpose. I subconsciously am Subconsciously did it. Because when you said, we don't know where the gold is, I was going to say, well, it's it's in San Francisco. (laughs) I know where the gold is. San Francisco. San Francisco. Um, Yeah, I like that pick. There's, people have a weird perception of Debo Samuel that he's just going to fade away. I think it, it it's kind of like Tyler Boyd as well. It's that effect where it's just like there's a new hot receiver in town that everyone's focusing on and that that player that used to be the the one on the team is now going to fade into obscurity, but that that's just not true. That's not how it's going to work. Debo Samuel is really really good and I love his ADP. So, that is a very solid option. I went with a similar player, uh, kind of that that player where if you you draft him, he is the potential to be in your starting lineup week in and week out. Potentially as the wide receiver one, you can get him in the 12th pick, which is the final pick in the sixth round. I talked about him a little bit earlier in the podcast, Cortland Sutton, Denver Broncos. Sixth round is pretty dang good. It's almost seventh for Sutton. So he was a... Awesome wide receiver too uh, in 2019 for fantasy. He got over 1,100 receiving yards with Joe Flacco, Brandon Allen, and Drew Locke throwing him the ball. So you can't really make the argument that he's not going to do good with crap quarterback because he's done it before. He got injured week one last year, which killed my fantasy team. <laughs> uh, but it looks like all signs are pointing to him being Good to go, uh, I, guess, I think, during training camp. So he should be fine there. He does have a little bit of competition, which is, I think, why his ADP is so low. Uh, with Jerry Judy, the wide receiver, too, who got targeted over 100 times last year. But I think that that adding another threat 
that lines up on the opposite side of, of Cortland Sutton should potentially benefit him. There is a lot of risk to this pick. The injuries, the competition, and the quarterbacks, but the upside is huge. We've seen the upside in 2019. He's a solid wide receiver, too, that can put up wide receiver one numbers in certain weeks. So Sutton, to me, is a no-brainer in the 6-12. Like, you're getting a guy who can potentially be a wide receiver one if Drew Locke learns how to throw the ball or if <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater decides to throw deep. Like, it's possible. So Cortland Sutton, a lot of risk, but tremendous amount of reward. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Um, you know, I'm curious, a player that I, I often see, you know, kind of paired up is Terry McLaurin and Cortland Sutton. You know, mm-hmm. fortunately, Terry McLaurin's been a little more healthy so far, but assuming both have full health, who would you be more interested in? Um, I would go Terry McLaurin just because, like you said, they're they're so similar, but I'm more confident in the offense. Uh, well, I, I should say I'm more confident in the quarterback in Washington. Now, if you were to ask me who would I rather have at their ADP, I would probably go Sutton because Terry McLaurin is being drafted three rounds earlier at the 309. So if it's the choice between the two, I would take Terry. But if you take into account their ADP, I would go Sutton. I think that's better value. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Uh, And for our final players we love, I'm going to do two because I think this is where people make their fantasy hay. Uh, So I want to give you two people that are near and dear to my fantasy heart. First person, it's so late, he's undrafted. Somebody I love taking a flyer on the season, Gerald Everett, the new tight end for the Seahawks. You know, he he had glimpses the past couple seasons of greatness with the Rams. He was the first draft pick ever of Sean McVay. Uh, And he really, you know, he has that athleticism you're looking for in a tight end. Uh, Unfortunately, didn't work out. They moved on. But the new offensive coordinator for the Seahawks uh, was an old coach for the Rams, and they went out of their way to get Everett on this team. And there's not a whole lot of competition for this role. Greg Olson's out, and, and I really think Everett can step into that vacuum. Russell Wilson typically has a lot of love for his tight ends. You know, that might be different now that he has two bona fide stud wide receivers. Uh, but, you know, if Everett can step into that void, I think there's enough targets, enough volume, enough, I guess, offensive output with the Seattle team where he'd be able to do some damage. So he's a tight end that, you know, if you don't get one of the top tight ends, you're just throwing darts at a field. Uh, And I really think Everett is one of those dart throws that could pay off. You know, he could be, I don't think it's that far fetched to say, you know, he's the next Mark Andrews, you know, it's right situation. Huge. And you literally have to pay nothing for him. Uh, so he's my mm-hmm. first undrafted late round gem. The other one, Antonio Brown, fourth yeah, pick saw of the coming. 11th round. Saw that coming. I should have. <laughs> I should have said it. I am. I was a thinking huge, it. Huge said. fan of Antonio Brown's football performance. I'm going to ignore the off the field stuff. Yeah. Uh, but Antonio about. Brown. You know, came off of the street essentially and joined Tampa Bay on their Super Bowl run. 
he was somebody I was really high on <laughs> off waivers last season. And I kept telling people, you know, pick this guy up. He's involved. He's going to do great things. And we kept seeing him in the right spots. Him and Tom Brady just struggled being on the same page. After an offseason, after a Super Bowl ring, Tom Brady obviously loves Antonio Brown. Here's a fun little fact. Antonio Brown led the team in targets in the eight games he was playing with the Bucks. He Jeez. has a 17 game. That was a 17 game pace of 130 targets. If you project Ooh. that sample size <laughs> over a 17 game season. Oh, my goodness. That's nothing to shake how, a stick at. Wait, how many? 130. So, so ever since he joined the team. So those eight games, he led the team in targets. Yeah. And if you extrapolate that over a 17 game pace, which is the new regular season, that is 130 targets. That would be 12th most among receivers last year. And that is in a high flying offense. And, you know, that's one of the reasons I'm I'm a little more down on Godwin and Evans. Not to knock them. I really love those guys. If I ended up with them, I'd be a very happy guy. But. Unfortunately, that's a crap load of targets. So yeah. I do think that does take away from Evans and Godwin. I think there's enough of the pie for all of these guys to be legit. You know, Evans and Godwin will be pretty close to elite. But you know, Antonio Brown, you know, he's in the 11th round. That I mean, that's essentially a throwaway pick at this point. Mm-hmm. He's somebody that I think you can put as your wide receiver three right off the bat and keep him there the entire season. You know, he's shown he's good like at avoiding that. injury as long as he doesn't freeze his foot off. Uh, he's a fantastic Jeez. route runner. You know, he's ignore off the field stuff. He's a smart player. And even though he's turning 33 this year, you know, he's one of those players that doesn't win with necessarily athletic ability. It's the route running. It's the football IQ. Antonio Brown, if you spend all your earlier picks on upside guys, you know, you need somebody safe. You need somebody that's going to deliver. I think it's Antonio Brown. He's not going to be a wide receiver two or a wide receiver one, but he might be the week in, week out, set it, forget it. You know what you're going to get, Antonio Brown. Yeah. He'll help you during bye weeks, especially. I think that his value is ridiculous at the 11th round, and I think yeah. it's those off-the-field issues that are causing people to avoid him. I think if you do a 12-man a 15 round draft there's a good chance that he might not be picked just because of that that risk that he's going to get suspended again or or you know he's not going to be involved so that is a a very good value at that position um and he really didn't do much with his targets he got last season but you know there's a lot of missed connections that were close so man i yeah once again i'm pretty stoked about that pick Mm -hmm. all right here we go you know how much I love the New York Jets. Oh, my God. I like finding I, I got two players here. Uh, <laughs> I like finding the the diamond and the rough players. And I think that's Michael Carter for the New York Jets. Good. Pick. I, re- I truly believe he's going to take over to be the starting running back. It may not be week one or week two, but it no later than halfway through the season. Are we going to see Michael Carter take over as the lead back? It's still going to be ugly. There's going to be a lot of split between him uh ty johnson uh tevin coleman's there as well i'm not even going to mention the michael p ryan because he's he's done but (laughs) michael carter has the most upside on this team he is the i would say the highest value in terms of draft capital 
and he looks good. I mean, he's nothing like he's not like a, a freak athlete, uh, but he in college he looked like a very solid, reliable running back. Now he did play the the one B role in North Carolina, right behind Javante Williams, who, as we all know, is now in Denver and is going to be great, by the way. But you can get Michael Carter in the eighth pick in the eleventh round. This is a guy where. It's very low risk, but he could potentially be the starting running back for the Jets. And if you have a player that's a starting running back for any team, they're going to put up some points. That is that is a very good type <laughs> of player to have. Like very I know scientific. that it's very scientific, but it just makes sense. If he's going to get the majority carries, he's going to get the most opportunity to do something with those carries. He was I loved his film in college. He he was nothing special. Like he was not this, you know, Derrick Henry build, and he's not the fastest, but he's tough. He has a good size. He's very good at blocking, which is a very big thing in terms of training camp with with coaches. They very much value running backs who can block, and I think that Michael Carter is the best blocking running back on that team which I know doesn't relate to fantasy but the coaches care about that stuff and if they see that Michael Carter is putting in the work I think they're going to put him in on on more plays he had back-to-back a thousand plus rushing seasons at UNC he had no fumbles during those two seasons I just think that this is a perfect fit for the New York Jets I think a, a a coach like Robert Sala, who's a very smart man, sees this guy and he sees him as a very safe, reliable running back, which is what I guess rookie coaches, what new coaches like to have. They don't want to take these big risks because all eyes are on them. They want to go with a safe option that's going to do their job, and that's Michael Carter. The second guy I have, I guess I can let you reflect if you have any opinions on that. No, no, I love it. No, I think you are spot on. He's a great dart throw for running back. Love it. I love it. Now, somebody who's drafted even later than Michael Carter, which is crazy to me, in the <laughs> 12th round, 12.05, it's a wide receiver too for Chicago. That's Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney is being drafted fifth pick, 12th round. That is ridiculous. Last year, 61 receptions, 631 receiving yards, four TDs out of 98 targets. That's fine. But he is a deep threat guy who can who is a tremendous big playability. I think as soon as the Chicago Bears put in Justin Fields, a quarterback who is very good at the deep balls, is going to benefit Mooney a ton. I think Darno Mooney is... I guess similar to Antonio Brown in a way where you put him in that wide receiver three in that flex position, and you're fine. You leave him there for the entire season. Darno Mooney is a amazing flex option that can put up wide receiver two numbers on on certain weeks. Chicago Bears play the Detroit Lions twice. Mooney's going to light them up, especially <laughs> if Justin Fields is going to be throwing to him. I'm not saying that Andy Dalton can't do it. I'm just saying I think Justin Fields is a better deep ball thrower and Darno Mooney is the best deep ball guy 
on their team. He's the, he's that that speedster when Allen Robinson is obviously the physical jump ball kind of guy. I think they benefit each other on the field, and I think Darno Mooney at the twelve oh five is perfect. Yeah, I like that a lot, uh, and I think yeah, I wouldn't necessarily shoot my shot with Darnell Mooney in the late rounds. You know, I, I certainly get it, but yeah, you know, that's a lot to think about. Um, a lot of that depends on what they want to do with quarterback. And I don't know how much I trust Nagy to make the right decision. I don't trust Nagy, but I do trust the fans after week two or three, when Andy Dalton <laughs> throws 10 interceptions during those weeks, and they're going to be calling for his head. So yeah, I don't think Nagy is going to have too much of a, of a choice after the first couple of weeks. I, I, it's nothing against Andy Dalton. It's just Justin Fields is, is going to be, he's yeah. something special. He's a, he's a guy that I liked. He was my second favorite quarterback coming out of the draft, obviously behind Trevor Lawrence. And there was a point, there was a point where I said, I think I like Justin Fields better than Trevor Lawrence. Now I retracted that statement, but <laughs> it's still like, that's how much I believe in him. So I think, those two there's very high potential for Mooney this season well I hope you are right I hope he is something special indeed now we are going to jump into the less positive portion of this podcast here we go where we're going to talk about players we are avoiding at their current ADP and I my first one I actually have two completely inadvertently they're both being taken at the fourth pick of the second round is their oh, average man. draft okay. position. That is the combo DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. Jeez. This is a hot take. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Coming in on fire. Well, bet you're taking shots at me, man. <laughs> Two guys I got on my team. <laughs> Not on purpose. Here's the thing. Uh, so I'll start with DK. DK is a he's a human masterpiece. He is incredible at what he does. He's fast. He's big. Amazing receiver. I don't have any knocks against him. The only problem that I saw last year and I was I was invested in this Seahawks offense. You know, I was a locket Mm -hmm. owner. I experienced the peaks and valleys. It was so inconsistent, even for DK Metcalf. I mean, there were games when you felt like a champion. And then other weeks, I mean, best. Andrew, you're, you're a DK owner. You got yeah. it, too. There were weeks where he... I wouldn't want it any other way. He disappeared. <laughs> he disappeared and sunk some weeks for you. So, love DK Metcalf, the player. I don't think there's another player in the NFL I'd rather go up against least. Um, he's a monster. But at his current draft pick, you know, for example... You know, he's going around players. I'm trying to think. So, for example, would you rather have Justin Jefferson or DK Metcalf? Oh, I, I would pick. Oh, actually, no, that's tough. Uh, I would pick. That's very close. <laughs> I would probably go DK there. Yeah, okay. I'd probably go DK, uh, but that's very close. I Calvin think I see Ridley where you're going with this. Or DK yeah, Metcalf. I, that's, yeah, I would go Ridley on that one, which yep. is Yeah, and Ridley's ADP is five picks after DK that's a a sin really should be a first rounder right now right so it's not that i i don't hate metcalf the player it's just that's a tough spot man so Mm -hmm. i like safety you know i do like those high risk high reward players but i don't want 
you know, a Tyler Lockett as my number one wide receiver. You're, yeah, you're taking you want a consistent guy. Yeah. Yeah. When you're taking somebody in that spot, they need to be, you know, you build your fantasy team around that player and DK right now. I hope he proves me wrong. I hope this entire Seahawks oh, team to me figures too, out consistency, but I don't think that's going to be the case. And then the ties in with my second player, AJ Brown. I love AJ Brown. He is such a good football player. And he's shown it to us. You know, we've seen it. He's had those huge performances and he's finished high. Great player. Something's changed. He was pretty much the only show in town. Uh, He was having to compete with targets with Gianu Smith and the not very intimidating. Totally forgot his name. Corey Davis. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, it's it was Derek Henry, AJ Brown. Those were the people who made the biggest impact. So really. It comes down to, I don't think the target volume is going to be there for AJ Brown to return on his 204 investment. Love AJ Brown, would love to have him on my team. But with Julio on the roster, it's just, I just don't see it being there the same way that it was before. He's going to have those elite performances. That's just who he is. But as far as a year long proposition, I don't think it's there at the 204. You know, once again, you know, when it comes to who you're trying to decide between, you know, so he's being taken at, like I said, the 204. Mm-hmm. You know, Alan Robinson is near. He's oh, at the 303. I would take Robinson. I love Robinson. He's yeah, and Robinson's at the 303. Yeah, Justin Jefferson, just 209. Calvin Ridley, 209. Mm-hmm. You know, there's these players that you can just, you know, shoot your shot. You know, those are the centerpieces of teams. Justin Jefferson, he is the centerpiece of that team. Those targets are going to be there. So it's not that I don't like AJ Brown. It's just I I think it's a little too, too rich high. for my blood. You're drafting okay. him for his ceiling. Got it. I like that. So those are my two picks. Yeah, it's a little a little too high for you. Uh, I obviously I'm not going to say anything bad about those two guys as they're on my fantasy team. I'm just in love with them. Shout out to Ole Miss. Did you know <laughs> they're both they they're both on the same team together at Ole Miss? I didn't. That's ridiculous. It, they were both on the same team, but they had such a bad quarterback that they were just that that's why they fell in the NFL draft is because they had like a terrible quarterback that couldn't give them enough production like sheesh, because knowing the the fact that both Brown and Metcalf were on the same team, I was like, how <laughs> did Ole Miss not win every single game? But how embarrassing yeah. for that quarterback. Oh, Can't get I know it done with you those had- guys. You had those two guys and you just didn't win a thing. They went like like two and ten that season. Anyway, uh, my player and I and you're probably going to hate me for this because you might think it's a cop out, uh. but I think it's a good opportunity to talk about this. At the 301. Patrick Mahomes. Don't draft a quarterback in the first three rounds. I know it's Pat Mahomes. And I know he's the you know NFL golden boy, but it he's never. I, I just I don't think that's a good value for him. There's other quarterbacks that are, in my opinion, going to finish higher than him this next season that are being drafted multiple rounds later. We've seen this pattern throughout the years. Last year, right? Who were the top quarterbacks taken? It was Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Those guys were being drafted first, second, third rounds. Well, they finished fourth and tenth. Year before that, 
who was taken. It was what Mahomes, Rogers. Yeah, it was Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Jameis Winston as the top guys who I drafted Lamar Jackson that year in like the 10th round. So drafting a quarterback very early is is too risky for me. I, I don't like doing that because it's not a guarantee that Mahomes is going to be the number one quarterback. I think tr- I truly believe that there are three other quarterbacks that are going to do better than Mahomes this season, and that's Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott. And you can get him way later. So picking Mahomes at the 301, and really, he's probably going to go earlier in most drafts because people are obsessed with him, is not worth it. Secure a better receiver or running back like you talked about. There's there's players like Justin Jefferson being drafted around there. Allen Robinson. I would rather have Allen Robinson at the 303 than Pat Mahomes because I'm securing a top 10 wide receiver, and I'd rather wait a couple rounds to get a quarterback. It's just not worth it, in my opinion. So I got nothing against Pat Mahomes. I think he's going to be great. He has the potential of finishing as the number one quarterback, but I am not picking him that early when I can get a wide receiver or running back stud. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. You know, I do think that is low-hanging fruit, but that's something people need to hear. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I, I don't hate it. I can't yeah. poo-poo on that. We're both um, on that late quarterback train. Yes, cool. 100%. Mm-hmm. Next, we have our mid-round picks for people who are not ever going to be on our teams. For me, it is Melvin Gordon running back for the Broncos at the Mm -hmm. eighth pick of the fifth round. He is somebody I'm avoiding at all costs for a few reasons. Uh, Legal issues. uh, Disappointing the team in training camp. uh, And also the fact that the team just drafted a very, very capable running back uh, to supplant him. You know, this is the last year of Melvin Gordon's deal. uh, And he's older. You know, he's he's getting closer to, I guess, everybody is one step closer towards retirement. Uh, But it's it's safe to say he's past his prime. We've had good times with Melvin Gordon, but those are squarely in the past. So he's one of those players, like I said, you know, he's not special anymore. Is he a good running back? Yes. But, you know, at at the eighth pick of the fifth round, you know, that's a sweet spot for receivers. If you loaded your team with running backs up to that point. You don't need a middling running back like Gordon, who theoretically could lose his job very quickly to the rookie. Melvin Gordon, somebody I'm avoiding. I just don't think he has the juice anymore. And I think he's starting to become a headache for the Broncos Broncos coaching staff. So mm-hmm. Melvin Gordon, he's somebody I am fading. Yeah, I completely agree. Before the NFL draft, I was excited about Melvin Gordon. I was pretty high on him, but man, his stock plummeted. Uh, I'm going with somebody who is going a little, I I would say late to mid round. Uh, It's seventh round. So hopefully that's okay for a, uh, for mid round definition, but seven Oh nine is his ADP and it's running back. Zach Moss. I don't know why people are taking Zach Moss. (laughs) I, I just, I'm so confused. Like, what was his ADP? If any, like, 
if anybody is 709 is his ADP. What? If anybody knows why people are taking him at 709, can you please let me know? Like, please? Because, like, I don't understand. Here are the running backs that are ranked around him, James right? Conner. Fournette, two, two picks ahead of him. There's Kenyon Drake, James Conner, Javante Williams. Like, what, what's happening here? Michael Carter. What is happening? <laughs> Way Michael Carter. Uh, Gus Edwards, I might take over Zach. Actually, I would take over Zach Moss. Like, uh, Trey Sermon. At the 10-11. What's... I don't understand. Like, Zach Moss gets the goal line work. But, like... That's it. I don't even... I, I might not even trust him to get the goal line work this season. Here's something that's really disgusting. That is just true. The Buffalo Bills signed Matt Burita to the team and I truly believe Matt Burita is going to be very involved I believe Matt Burita is going to eat up a ton of Zach Moss's snaps there's reports that Devin Singletary is looking very good in training camp I I don't really you know if you want to feed into that training camp news but from what it looks like it's still Singletary as the 1A and Moss as the 1B I think Moss's position is in jeopardy as well with the signing of Matt Burita, which is still crazy for me to, to say. But it, it just let's even if we pretend that the Buffalo Bills running back unit was one player, I'm not that excited. Josh Allen is a very mobile quarterback, even though he doesn't look the part. The stats are there. They also throw the ball a ton almost more than than any they throw the ball as much as the Tennessee Titans run the ball so it's just it's not going to happen he's not going to get enough carries to do anything with the opportunity i mean he's he might get a couple touchdowns here and there but the buffalo bills are very much looking forward to the 2022 draft where they can get a top running back because they <laughs> It, to me, it's clear they don't have faith in Moss. They're really trying with Singletary, even though he's just doesn't, you know, he's nothing special. And they signed Matt Burita because they're like, okay, we need a guy who we can actually depend on. It's not going to be great, but we got to do it. I could see the the this running back group to be very similar to the New York Jets running back group last season, where you're going to see a player like, Last season, we said LaMichael Pirine have three or four good games. Then Ty Johnson. Then Frank Gore was still there. It's not pretty, and it's not that fantasy relevant. So don't touch the Bills' run game, especially with the ADP 709. Right? That's just stupid. Draft Kenyon Drake. Draft James <laughs> Conner. Draft Javante Williams, for Christ's sake. They're all going to be better than Zach Moss this season, and I will bet so much money on that. Oh man. That's yeah. No, I'm with you. That's ludicrous that people are still mm-hmm. drafting Moss at that spot. 709. Yeah, ah. that's just silly. Um, you know, my late round person I'm avoiding, which is kind of cheating because it means late round for a reason. It's fine. I got to cheat as well. Uh, you know, I'm going to go <laughs> I'm going to go back to the well. I'm going to say Evan Ingram. He's there being taken as a fifth pick of the 11th round. That ship has sailed. Last season, we saw him get peppered with targets, opportunity, 
he's done. Uh, it won't get better than what it was yep. last season. You know, now this offense brought in Kenny Galladay. Barkley came back. You know, you add Tony in the draft. Evan Ingram, he is a piece of the past. He is going to be a really good situational player. He's going to be like Kyle Rudolph. He's a really good NFL player. Horrible fantasy option. And will occasionally have big weeks. So, yeah. man, Evan Ingram, take your shot on Everett. You know, at least try to get somebody with upside. Evan Ingram, he proved he does not have what it takes. Evan Ingram, I am out. Yeah. I was so out last season. I had him on my team. I was so done with him by the end of the season. It's just not fun. That My favorite argument that people have, the, the Ingram truthers, is to say, oh, but he got 109 targets last season. Like, yeah, but he did nothing with it. One touchdown, 63 receptions. That's not good. There are a lot of tight ends that, are, that I like that are being drafted after Evan Ingram. Rob Gronkowski, for example, one pick after. Austin Hooper, Blake Jarwin, Cole Komet. Those are the next tight ends. Jared Cook, it's ugly, but I would rather have Jared Cook than Evan Ingram. Like, it's just stupid. Like you said, I, I really do believe Gerald Everett is a is a solid option there that you can get basically undrafted. So really oh, like that free. pick. For, you can really <laughs> get him for free, and he's going to have, like, he's got that, those, those couple weeks where he could be a, a, a tight end one. So I like that pick. Um, wow. I mean, why not just shoot your shot with Cole Komet at this, at this option? Jeez. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, I'm going with another guy who I kind of think is cheating, but he's near and dear to my heart, and I had to let him go this offseason. Being drafted, second pick in the 12th round, Jamison Crowder. <laughs> oh, it hurts. Jamison Crowder is awesome. He was, he, he was just, he was so reliable towards the beginning of the season. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's not going to happen this year. It's really not. Actually, here, let me tell you what his pace was for the first three weeks that he played. He was on pace for 187 targets, 1,900 yards, and 11 TDs. That was amazing. Then he got injured, and then he kind of got back into form late in the season. Um, finished four times as a, as a wide receiver one last season. But it's just not going to happen this, this year. As sad as it is for me to say, um, they brought in a lot of players. They brought in Corey Davis. They brought, I almost forgot his name, too. That's kind of crazy. They brought in Elijah Moore. They have a new quarterback. Denzel Mims theoretically should take a step up. There's just a lot of competition and not a lot of confidence in, in this team. So, yeah, Corey Davis is the one. Uh, Elijah Moore, who I swear to you is the most hyped up receiver, a hyped up rookie receiver out of anyone in the last 10 years coming out of training camp. I mean, every day there's more and more articles about Elijah Moore stepping up. Uh, Denzel Mims still there. I just, the competition is, is too much for Jameson Crowder. He's, I, I guess they just renegotiated a contract. So, I was going to talk about that because I was very concerned about him up until a couple of weeks ago where he was eating up so much money that I thought they were just going to cut him. But he renegotiated. He's still going to be on the team. 
but I just don't see him producing. Like I said, four times last season where he finishes a top 10 wide receiver for that week. That's not going to happen again. He's going to get zero finishes in the top 10. He might get one or two in a, in a top 24, but I really think that there's going to be three or four receivers ahead of him in the depth chart, which is a shame because I really like Jameson Crowder, but he's not going to do it this year. Yeah. It's a uh, sad because he was, he was a, a little diamond in the rough with this jets team, but mm-hmm. uh yeah, man. Players that I like. Ship. He's only yeah. 27 as well. He's That's still got amazing. That's play. the oldest 27 I've ever seen. It's seriously. <laughs> he's been, I swear he's been 27 for 10 years. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, Andrew, that wraps up our players. We are drafting and avoiding uh, everyone. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for listening. We, uh, we love bringing this stuff to you. If we can ask a favor, please leave a review or a rating on whatever platform it is you choose to listen to us on. Keeps us coming back, keeps the light on, and gosh darn it, we are excited to bring you into the 2021 season. Keep checking in. We are going to be releasing our rankings, uh, you know, draft advice, draft strategies. Andrew and Brendan are the bomb diggity. They keep bringing some hot, hot content. So stick with us. We'll bring into 2021. Stay safe. We will see you soon.